Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Let's get started. Congratulations, you're going to college. Now that's the praise a lot of young adults have heard in the coming months as we're coming into the new year. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. So going to college is a huge milestone in every young adult's life. It was such a big thing for me, especially being the first in my family to go. But with college comes a whole new ballgame in taking care of yourself, having your own autonomy and making all these decisions for yourself by yourself. For parents, this is usually where your parenting is really put to the test in guiding without forceful impacts. But college isn't all fun and games. It is still academia and there's still so much you should be ready for before starting this whole new phase. And now that's exactly what we're going to be looking into today. And to help me with this preparation is someone who has also asked how colleges can help in making sure students know what they're in for. He holds a PhD in cognitive psychology and is currently a professor in education psychology at Georgia State University. Dr. Joe Magniello, thanks for joining me, Joe. Oh, it's great to join you, and um, it's a real pleasure to be a part of this podcast. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Now, I'm very fascinated in psychology, but I have not quite heard of cognitive psychology. So do you mind telling me, explain to me what cognitive psychology is, for those of us who don't know? Um, you know, uh, psychology as a field is is broken into different areas of specialty. Um, uh, you'll have uh, developmental psychology, which I know is the focus of this podcast. You have social psychology. Um, uh, you have um, you know, clinical psychology, and, 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 and the list goes on. And uh, we think of these different areas as having hard boundaries between them, and they do, um, but they also... Um, you know, there's, they, they're, they're blended. So cognitive psychology is that area of psychology that focuses on um, the um, uh, mental processes that support our ability to, uh, you know, uh, uh, problem solve, uh, comprehend, uh, make decisions, um, uh, uh, it, it, it's the area of psychology that focuses on uh, how memory works. Uh, it's, um, and of course, other areas of psychology address these issues. But uh, what makes cognitive psychology uh, uh, different uh, about uh, than these other areas is we're typically focusing on the adults, and we're we're really focusing on the. Um, um, trying to understand how these uh, mental processes operate and their outcome 
both cognitively and uh, for some folks, uh, uh, they would want to understand how um, these processes are grounded in, in you know, brain activity. Um, I, uh, my area of research is in, um, uh, well, I, you know, I would describe, um, my, my sub area of cognitive psychology is uh, um, discourse psychology. So that's an area of psychology that studies how we understand connected language um, or use connected language. So I, um, you know, uh, my area of, of re my focus when I was getting my PhD and in some aspects of my career uh, was on the mental mechanics that enable us to comprehend what we read. You know, as you're processing through a text, um, what are the processes that support our ability to form a memory for the text, uh, to generate inferences that help us understand the text? Uh, I, I more I over time became interested in how those processes operate and other uh, media such as film and, and uh, comics. Um, but I also became interested in, uh, over time, um, what makes students ready to read in college. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, it, it's, it's uh, taking uh, what I was studying in a more isolated kind of situation and thinking about that a phenomenon in, in a larger context, uh, mm -hmm. namely uh, a student's um, ability to find success over time in an mm -hmm. educational context. Okay, that, that sounds really fascinating. I think especially when it comes to university students, they go from reading high school books, which are pretty much, if you think about it, if you think about the high school process, a lot of it is pretty much dumbed down for a lot of students in, in dot points or in a format that is very much focused on just getting the kids out into college. However, when they get to college, there's, they, especially for me, when I remember um, that first semester at college, there was that whole, whole other fear of the fact that there are 30 pages that I'm meant to read in two days. Yeah. Where in high school, there were dot points that I had to read over a semester or over term. And 30 pages in two days, I could barely sit still to read two pages in, oh, yeah. in a day. <laughs> so there's that whole process. Like I, I love the fact that there's so much research in there. There's starting this research in that because that was something that I think a lot of students, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of students leave their assignments to the last minute is because the amount of um, attention span that a lot of us have, especially going into um, understanding how the whole process of college is is completely different from what, you know, what high school used to be like or what primary school used to be like. And suddenly we're a little fish in a huge pond who have no way of figuring figuring out how to get out of it or how to find a place that fits in with them. You know, there's a, a lot uh, we could unpack in what you just shared uh, in terms of uh, uh, my interest as a, um, as a researcher, but also in um, my experience as a professor. Um, you know, uh, uh, 
there's a difference between textbooks and uh, primary documents. Uh, uh, and in high school and in college, you know, uh, students are asked to read textbooks that have been carefully written. Um, and the good ones are scaffolded in a way that um, an individual that comes into the, uh, a reading that doesn't have a lot of knowledge in the domain can gain that knowledge. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, you, you, even reading a textbook can be challenging uh, because you're low knowledge, but they've been written in a way that are intended that take that into consideration. But uh, college students may be asked to uh, read text beyond what they encounter in a textbook that have been written for, um, uh, they may have been written for um, uh, uh, the practitioners of the discipline. Uh, so they assume a ton of common ground. Uh, concepts are, are not necessarily going to be explained if they're deemed unnecessary to be explained. You know, I, I like to think that uh, by, you know, one of the things I, anybody can become a struggling reader. You just give them a text for which they don't have a lot of background knowledge. And, uh, you know, they're going to find that they struggle. They, they're going to experience that I'm reading and I don't understand why, you know, what I'm reading. Um, and, you know, that, that um, uh, you know, if I pick up a physics text, even one that's writ written, been written for the general public, it, 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 it's it's a real struggle for me. Uh, and so I think one of the things that college students can face is that experience, that that experience. I mean, just think of the difference between reading a novel and, and reading a textbook. You know, when you're reading a novel, you, you have, uh, as, as you're processing the words, it's leading to the activation of a lot of knowledge that you use uh, to make sense of your everyday experiences. And you don't have that experience when you're reading a textbook and you know people don't like doing what they don't feel like they're good at doing and uh i th this you know i often think why do why do students procrastinate um you know it's not you know uh because students are lazy you know it has everything to do with the fact that maybe they're um i i my hypothesis is students may procrastinate or not engage in activities because they don't feel like they know how to do it or they don't feel um, adept in that activity. And so I think this, I mean, you're closer to being a student than me, so you're in, I, I trust your insights. That notion of, of putting things off because it's uncomfortable or challenging, I think is probably um, uh, one 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 explanation for why uh, students may may put things off. Um, yes. No, I, I definitely agree. I think especially when it comes to journal articles and like you said, articles that they're given to us to read that are pretty much written for people in that field or people who have studied that, um, there's a whole sense of intimidation that sort of comes along with it of the fear that, right. okay, I don't understand it straight away, but I can't feel like I can ask because I think I'm supposed to know this. And I think that's that definitely what I felt the first year of, okay, I 
don't think I can ask questions because am I supposed to really know this? How come so many people are getting it and I'm not getting it? So there is that. I think I Googled every word that sort of was really difficult and somehow tried to put it together as to what it meant. And there's that huge intimidation that sort of comes on when some people can understand it and some people can't. You know, um, I I think back uh, to, look, I had that experience in grad school. I mean, you know, here I'm supposed to become a a disciplinary specific expert and and I've got to figure out uh, or I've got to deal with situations where I'm reading a text and I don't, I don't get it. And what does it mean about me? And how do I manage or deal with that situation? Um, you know, I mean, I know that later on, some of what we will, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about recommendations. And some of the recommendations I have will be informed by the literature. And some of them will be informed by my own experience. But part of what, um, uh, 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 Part of what um, I think students at all levels need to develop is a tolerance for not understanding. And um, I mean, everybody that becomes a disciplinary expert starts off with being exposed to content uh, that is being disseminated in a format where they're like, "I, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, I don't quite understand this. Um, it, it, it's part of the process. Um, you know, it, it's the, it's the challenge of it, the, the challenge of education at all levels, but certainly in college, is you you have individuals that come into a class and they're low knowledge, and knowledge is a, having knowledge is a, related to a text is a, a critical for supporting these basic cognitive processes that support comprehension. Uh, and um, their, their knowledge depleted, and you um, you have to um, create a context where they're able to um, develop that knowledge and engage with the various media that um, you, um, you are asking them uh, to, to process, uh, to you know convey the knowledge you're trying to convey. And, uh, I think the biggest, um, the probably one of the most important things that I learned as a, I don't, I don't remember if I'd learned it as a undergraduate, but I certainly learned it as a graduate student that it was okay to struggle and, and that it was okay to find, you know, a, a, a smaller set to not maybe fully understand what a document is saying, but being able to identify uh, information in there, uh, in that document that is useful to how I need to use it in the, in the context of why I'm reading it. Um, and when you think about reading in that way, it becomes uh, considerably more tractable. Uh, I think when students come in and they think about reading as this generic activity, which it is not, uh, that's where we can sort of face this daunting experience. Um, yeah, just as a side, I mean, I'm, I'm teaching next semester a seminar, an undergraduate seminar uh, um, uh, uh, called the um, Psychology of Stories, the Cognition of Stories, sorry. 
And there are students that range from being kind of advanced undergraduates. They've, they've read some stuff. They've had exposure all the way down to very little experience reading a primary documents. And, you know, it's, it's part of, part of the lesson of that course is to uh, feel okay. If you, if, if you're reading something, you're like, I don't know what the heck that meant. Um, because we'll come in to, and talk about it. And this mm -hmm. gets to your point. Part of, part of making sense of, of the complexities of, of, of text, it, it can be and should be a social experience where um, uh, students can come together as a community and together figure out what something complex means uh, with the guidance and support of a professor. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I think that's one thing that I really liked about college especially is the fact that I got to experience it with people who were older than me, with people who were younger than me. And it's not, it's not like high school where you're stuck with the same experiences, stuck with the same people, the same ages who have very similar life knowledge, but you're mm. dealing with people who are sometimes in their mid fifties sort of trying yeah. to figure things out and trying to understand. And the amount of life experience that they've sort of taken in from a text and brought into a text is, is incredible. And that's the one thing that right. I really liked about college more than high school is, is the fact that I learned so much just from being around people who are more of an expert in something than I am or have no, more knowledge about something than I do because it was it was an incredible experience to sort of see how they understood things and I can add my input in when I felt like I had something that I could add and fill in the gaps with. So yeah, I will say that I did love college a whole lot more than high school. Yeah. You know, just as I mean, I'm relatively new. I spent most of my career at another institution and came to GSU in 2018. And GSU is uh, recognized in the United States as one of the, um, uh, uh, um, they're, they're leading the way in terms of college success uh, and um, um, finding ways to support um, students of a variety of, of backgrounds. Um, uh, 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 they've developed the model that other universities have uh, have adopted. Uh, one of the models, and um, but in this context, I I love teaching here because um, there there's such a diversity of. I mean, it's an urban embedded university. Um, it it uh, um, uh, recruits a lot of first generation students from a variety of backgrounds, and. To be able to see that perspective uh, and uh, to create experiences for students where they're able to celebrate uh, their lens or perspective and learn how to accurately uh, think about the content I'm trying to disseminate, it's a pretty cool experience. So um, I, 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 I definitely see your observation um, from my end as a professor, and it's outside of you know, studying this issue, it's one of the, um, it's one of the things I've become more and more passionate about. Um, one of the aspects of doing this gig that I've become more and more passionate about um, uh, um, when, um, uh, and, and trying to create situations that afford that, um, I, you know, I haven't been able to sort of work in the social 
uh, uh, experience that you were talking about. But, uh, you know, COVID, I, I came here right before COVID. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, you know, it's just it being able to really help students um, learn. I think that one of the most important skills that a student can learn in college is um, to uh, encounter complex material through your lens, internalize it, and communicate your understanding of it. I think that's a rinse and repeat skill that um, uh, um, uh, students are that people in, 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 in beyond college will need to be able to do. Uh, you know, you, I mean, you're experiencing it right now. You're learning about a topic and you've got to, you know, on the fly, respond through your lens and um, uh, um, convince other people of the importance of that issue. I mean, yeah. college, college and learning to read in college I firmly believe can provide that experience. Um, but um, I, 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 we want students to be able to understand uh, that. And this mm -hmm. gets back to the fear, the, the fear of not understanding, uh, the fear of, of you being the only one. Um, you're not. And, um, uh, you know, the, I think that's, if 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 we if we come to really what I think fulfilling careers, um, we're going to be in uh, that place of not knowing, learning how to master, and use that knowledge, and then it happens again. You know, this is this is a part of life. No, exactly. No, I... Yeah, I, does that make sense? I mean, this. I mean, I. This is I'm sharing stuff that's been in my head, but I've not never had the opportunity to write about this stuff. It's just things I reflect upon and in, in my role as an instructor. No, it's it's making a ton of sense to me. I think dealing with that experience directly and seeing the student's perspective and also talking seeing hearing the professor's experience, there's so much overlap in terms of what's observed and how I've sort of understand. I definitely agree that learning texts and learning from um, the college level texts, I think sort of shapes us to how we understand a whole lot of different scenarios. And it's definitely helped in, I mean, like you said, it's helped in this job. It's helped me to sort of pick up things quickly and see which one's going to stick. And especially the idea of skimming and scanning, I think that I did not learn that until university. Mm. So that was really a helpful tool as well. And I think that's, it's definitely grown so much in terms of how I understand what I'm reading, how I'm going to, what's important and what's not. And I think that's such a great way of remembering. So I don't have to remember everything about a text. I remember the most important parts, but I pick to me what the most important part is to me. Right. And I use that and hang on to that for dear life because I think that's that's the way that I've learned to do things. And if there's one piece of text that someone else has found interesting, that's also from their perspective, that's what they've stuck to. So college text has, everyone has a different interpretation of it, which I find, which I always find amazing every time I go into class discussions 
So yeah, it's definitely helped in my observation as to what I want to bring to the table, especially because I think college is not exactly, you're not learning dot point, dot point, dot, at least not in the field that I'm in. I'm not learning. I'm learning to build on something from what I've learned. So I'm learning to make a film or make a documentary off of what I've learned in a classroom. So I've stuck with one idea and stuck with that and used that in my career. And that's what's helped. Now, that's such a great introduction into our topic. And I love to get to know what you think everyone has a very different definition as to what parenting is to them. What would your definition of parenting be? Well, um, again, uh, this uh, is um, not a uh, um, informed by uh, people who study uh, parenting. You know, I, I love to say I, I don't, uh, it's more, it's, um, informed by my general approach to thinking about complex, complex, complex um, concepts as a as a psychologist, a research psychologist, but also uh, informed by my experience as a parent. I I actually try not to um, define uh, concepts. I think of them in terms of what are the features. So I, you know, um, what are the you know. Uh, an important feature of um, parenting is a relationship between a caregiver and a child. Um, so, uh, for example, a teacher and a child—that's not parenting. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it. So, part of being a parent is that you're a, a caregiver. Uh, obviously, uh, there doesn't need to be a biological um, uh, uh, relationship, um, but it involves the. Um, the activities that an individual is engaging in to support the um, social, emotional, and cognitive uh, development of the individuals that they're caregiving. Now, that probably sounds like it comes out of a textbook, <laughs> yeah. But um, but you know, being a parent—that's you know that that's what we're doing. And the thing about parenting is, um, it's not—it can be an explicit activity where somebody is deliberately engaging in those activities, but it is also a, um, an implicit activity where, um, I'm doing things with my kids that are, um, in, in, you know, where we're, we're, um, where I'm, where they're, you know, I'm, uh, it's an activity that is fostering these different aspects. I mean, you go to the park with your kid. You know, and you're hanging out with them. That's an activity that uh, is can be construed as parenting uh, because it's it's part of that supportive uh, social, emotional, and cognitive development. Uh, so, um, well, that's my kind of informed by the uh, maybe the field, but not really uh, answer to your question. No, that's perfect. I love the the comparison with studying the um, academic part, but also the real life lived experience as well, sort of your own personal view as to what parenting is to you and how you've gone ahead and been a parent, not just a academic, but also 
dealing with the parenting side of it. And I love how you shared your advice on both of it. So no, that's perfect. So when it comes to that overview into the transition of being a college student and sort of going through the college experiences, what are some key milestones and challenges that a lot of college students face when sort of going into dealing with college and dealing with the situation of being in college? You know, I think you uh, hinted uh, about this in our earlier, uh, 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 when you were talking about some of your experiences as as a college student. Um, uh, um, so it goes to social, emotional, and cognitive, right? We can break it down that way. Um, but um, certainly um, social, there you're in a, um, uh, 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 you are in a, um, students are transitioning into, especially when they're living on campus, to a, um, you know, what can be a chaotic um, uh, transition to a completely unstructured social environment where the, the, they, they have to um, create absolutely new social networks from scratch. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, in grade school through high school, you're with these same people for a protracted period of time. Now that's about ready to start, or you know, through four years of college. Uh, but um, uh, you know, you're that starting from scratch um, uh, 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 um, uh, is uh, certainly uh, pre pre presents challenges and more. Ch uh, the level of challenge depends on the individual. Um, you know, some kids are very um, gregarious, extroverted. Uh, they can create those set social networks easily. Some kids less so. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, emotional. You, you're again, you're in a situation where you don't have your parents as uh, there uh, for that emotional support on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's this need to self-regulate and self-manage um, uh, that aspect of one's life. Certainly, high school, it, it, you know, it, uh, the skill sets needed to um, uh, 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 navigate uh, the, the the social and emotional challenges have you know have were being developed, uh, but you know that metaphor of the training wheels being off is is on the mark um, in terms of of being a student um, in general uh, there's considerable self-regulation skills that are now have to be um, uh, in place uh, self-regulation is important uh, uh, prior to uh, entering college but again you know the training wheels are off so the student is responsible for staying motivated and engaged. Uh, and, um, you know, there's an interaction between those two things. And in, in implementing strategies, a whole host of strategies, from uh, strategies that ensure that you're where you need to be when you need to be, to strategies that involve actually being able to accomplish the specific task 
that you've been asked to accomplish. Um, uh, but there's also, I think, um, uh, 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 this um, an important uh, skill set that is required uh, is a willingness to take advantage of the infrastructure around you. Uh, you know, um, uh, I've known plenty of students, in, in, including some I may be close to, that, um, uh, you know, familial-wise, uh, that um, are hesitant, like you, to ask for help or to seek out support uh, because yeah. there's this understanding, there's this belief that I got to figure it out on my own. Yeah, you've got to figure out a bunch on your own. But um, learning how to take advantage of the larger system that you're um, that you're in, in the the context, whatever's around that context, being able to take advantage of what exists, being able to create uh, 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 support um, uh, from the ether are all uh, part of uh, of uh, an important skill set uh, that prior to coming to college, there may have been somebody else that was, you know, forcing it on you. But now uh, students aren't forced. They, they, they only take advantage of that which they choose to take advantage of. That's not mm -hmm. quite true, uh, but, uh, because many universities know that students, uh, they need to be placed in a situation where they can um, see uh, these uh, support systems. Uh, but for the most part, it's up to the student. So, you know, it's the same social, uh, emotional, cognitive uh, 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 skill sets that are needed. Um, but uh, um, the, uh, now it's up to the student to um, develop the uh, independence uh, in um, navigating these aspects of their lives. And in a situation where they, I mean, you know, we can think about the world in social, emotional, and you know, cognitive, but that's not how people do. They don't break it up that way. Not yeah. when they don't, not at all. It's just this big mess of stuff that's happening. But um, uh, uh, but those distinctions are meaningful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think especially going that first year, it was so daunting just trying to figure out do things myself. I still remember because um, in Australia, you don't have to leave home in order to go to college. So I was still living at home at this point. And mm. I still kept calling my mom like, mom, should I buy lunch or should I come home for lunch? Like there is still that I was still not used to the fact that I had to figure things out for myself or I had to make decisions mm. for myself because there was still me questioning, okay, I still rely on my parents for advice. I still come to them. I still sort of have that mm. um, need to know what they think because I was so used to being home for lunch or straight after high school going home for lunch and having lunch. And it was that mm. whole different transition into, okay, I need to figure out things for myself. I need to grow up. I need to figure out... Um, how to get a job. I need to figure out how to do all these things. And it wasn't until I think my second year that I 
started actually going to student services, student services and I mean, you know. looking into places that can help me write a CV or help me go through my resume. And like. that's when I started taking advantage of, advantage of a lot of the services that I really didn't know that they had. Yeah. And it was such a big grown-up transition for me from going for my first year yeah. and just figuring out the buildings and second year figuring out what I'm going to do as a grown-up and how I'm going to build on what I didn't know was available. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned something there because there's another aspect of, of the transition to college I forgot to mention that is absolutely critical, and that's developing career awareness. You know, developing... Uh, I mean, you know, it's... it's I actually tell my students, my undergraduates, you know, I know it looks and feels like school, but I think of this as professional development rather than um, uh, school. And yeah. uh, you're here to... Uh, to get a uh, um, to develop a profession, and there's such variability in stu some students develop that career awareness um, uh, very early on, and others it takes a while um, uh, for that um, th that um, uh, to develop. Uh, so um, you know that is. That is, I, when that happens, to me, that's one of the most important milestones that a college student uh, can, uh, can experience, is that understanding that they're doing this to, get a, to have a profession and then have a sense of what that profession might be. There are some students that may never experience it, but to me, until they get into the job, you know, that can mm -hmm. happen. Uh, so for those folks out there that didn't experience that, you can still find success, of course. Uh, it's just, I, I find that it's uh, um, an important transition. And the reason why I thought about that was you mentioned about getting a CV and building a resume. That, that is the kind of activity that begins to reflect career awareness. Yep. No, it's such a, it's such a big part of going to college. I think as well. I mean, you can have a CV and resume without going to college, of course. And I think that's right. such a big thing to note there. But when when talking about college, there's that huge awareness that you're no longer a kid anymore. You're no longer a child mm -hmm. just going to school. You're there to build a career. You're not there to learn just to learn. You're there to learn to create something, or you're there mm -hmm. to um, in a, in a lack of a better word, just to change some aspect of your field or change some aspect of what your interest is, whether it's you're going to change children's minds by going into teaching or you're going to create a documentary, a documentary on the way that the world is changing by going into film. Like there's so many different aspects that you can go in that you didn't really realize you had the opportunity to do until you build your resume or until you build that CV and figure out where your gaps are in mm. what your career is needing or what your interests are, what your life is out in and outside of college as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I think of life as a one big problem solving activity. And I don't mean 
that we're facing problems. I mean, there are things that we need to change, outcomes we want to achieve. And mm -hmm. uh, life is about um, uh, learning how to manipulate your environment so that you can achieve the outcomes that you're that you're um, uh, um, that you want to uh, 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 that you want. And uh, to me, um, college is about um, uh, discovering the problems that you like to solve. And you can have a fulfilling career if you're if if your goal is to have a career that you like. And not everybody's, you know, some people a, a career is a means to an end, but and that's fine. Uh, but if your goal is to have a career you truly like and enjoy, um, the the task at hand is to finding that job where you love solving the problems that you face on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's probably why I've changed my career about, I changed it twice when I was younger. I went from teaching and going into art, the art field, and now I'm in media. And I think media is a problem I love solving and I love mm. the rush and the feeling of it. So I mm. definitely went away from teaching and away from dealing with kids directly into trying to figure out how to create something that's going to help change a child's mind or help them figure yeah. things out. So going into that has really changed my perspective as to what I love to do as a career. And I think definitely think that college has helped in changing, in changing my interests and in changing well, what I can do with my interests. So yeah. I will say that. Now, I want to go ahead and mention because I know a lot of students are starting college next year and a lot of parents are trying to find ways to help their child be ready for college and I wanted to know how can parents sort of cultivate their children from an early age that sort of allows them to help build on being ready for going into college and what are some things that they can do, um, whether they're going to college next year or the year after, what can they do as teenagers to sort of mentally and critically be ready for college? It's a really complex question to answer. Yes. <laughs> and um, uh, we'll see how I do. This This is, um, you know, I study what's happening inside the head, uh, not necessarily uh, um, the, the the social environment. Um, I, all right, um, part of being ready for college, I think, is being prepared for um, uh, uh, the culture um, and. Um, I don't know about uh, uh, in uh, Australia, but certainly in the United States, um, it, uh, high school are a little bit more attentive to uh, uh, creating um, various activities that can go a long way in helping students uh, be, um, you know, ready for the college experience. 
So, um, you know, when I was in high school, you know, you know, I got I graduated from high school in 1983. So, uh, you know, you just went to high school. Yeah, you had some people that did stuff or played in sports or but, you know, it, there wasn't this infrastructure uh, of um, uh, clubs or activities that uh, in um, that get students uh, in engaged in something, anything in uh, the, in a manner that um, prepares them for uh, a, you know a, the kind of peer-to-peer relationships that they're going to need to support their a need to develop in high college. So that's um, you know not being a passive student is I think um, uh, a, um, a, a high school student um, or you know middle school student. You know, getting involved in those activities help. Uh, um, and I don't say that as an expert. Um, mm-hmm. I, I say that as an observer, uh, as a parent. As a parent, um, uh, certainly, um, in terms of um, being um, uh, ready to. Um, uh, uh, read in college, the 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 most, yeah, you know, uh, the two reading researchers, Stanovich and Wetz, did a whole bunch of research on what are the primary f- f- individual differences or factors of an individual that predict uh, uh, success in in being or uh, uh, success as a comprehender, and you know, it's the, uh, one big. A predictor is the amount of reading you do. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like a trivial thing, but reading is a, a practiced activity. Um, and the more you read, the more knowledge uh, uh, that um, uh, the, the more knowledge you build. So mm-hmm. um, being ready for college, uh, one activity is just reading. You know, it, it sounds uh, uh, trivial, and not just reading. Uh, certainly reading anything, but mm, exposing yourself to a variety of different um, uh, domains, uh, narrative, um, expository texts that focus on some topic of interest um, uh, is is a, a, a critical aspect of um, being ready uh, to read. Uh, certainly providing kids with the opportunity to develop independence in their um, uh, to become independent in their um, in the world they live in and I know this is a real challenge uh, boy this was a challenge during uh, um, uh, COVID you know I have a uh, my oldest is uh, just starting their uh, their first year in college and their experience in high school was and their ability to live an independent live independently was absolutely affected uh, uh, by COVID. But mm-hmm. um, so I understand the current challenges were uh, that um, some parents might have faced in the past four years. But, um, you know, being able to uh, create situations where students are, uh, are, where kids are able to experience a certain level of independence uh, and responsibility. Uh, and there's plenty of ways that you can, that that, that can be done. There's not one activity. Uh, that um, 
that can uh, foster that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I'm um, also um, coming to terms with as a parent is um, my kids aren't me, you know, and they have, uh, I, I think of us as all having strengths and challenges and part of being a successful uh, is recognizing your challenges, maybe leveraging them in some way or being able to lessen their impact. And my strengths and challenges are not my kids' strengths and challenges. So their engagement in college is not what I my experience was. And, you know, I, I'm finding myself looking at, at their experience and thinking, you know, why aren't they doing what I did? Well, it's because they're not you. Um, mm-hmm. And this is true leading up to, uh, um, um, you know, the years leading up to college. Um, you know, I, again, I speak more uh, informally in, in, in response to this question. Um, uh, so I think taking advantage of activities that um, the high school uh, um, or community provide, um, uh, certainly uh, uh, being an avid reader outside of school, um, uh, uh, developing, uh, providing opportunities for uh, kids to uh, have independence in various aspects of their their life um, um, will certainly uh, help um, them be ready for what's to come uh, when the training wheels are off. Yep. No, I can definitely agree with that. I think reading definitely is a big is a big one for me. I was glad that I got into reading in high school and sort of developed that even further because I think that was such an important part. And I, I loved and I kept doing this idea all throughout um, university is I kept highlighting and using um, page markers and post-it notes about things I didn't understand or wanted to relate to, yeah. wanted to ask questions. So there was that whole use of um, everything that I didn't quite understand was a different color highlighter or a different color post-it note. So yeah. then I could go ahead and refer back to it later on when I had questions. Yeah. So there was, I think reading is definitely one of the biggest recommendations. I would definitely agree with you in terms of that. Cause I think it, yeah. When I developed those skills in high school, I brought it along to university and it made everything so much easier. <laughs> but um, I went through my second and final year of my undergrad throughout COVID. So that whole dynamic changed how I'm supposed to study or how everything was mm. on online at that point. So everything, really? all the textbooks were online. You couldn't really go ahead and highlight off a textbook that well, unless you printed out 60 pages worth of text Mm -hmm. that you were supposed to read. And it changed my brain. I did not, I will say I did not focus throughout those two years. I'm surprised that I got through those two years, to be honest with you, because it was a difficult time. You know, there is um, uh, 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 just just a a jump on that. There, um, There is a considerable amount of research on um, exploring whether or not um, the um, uh, um, medium, uh, paper, digital, 
of, of a text affects uh, processing. And there is some research suggest that to suggest that um, uh, digital media can be processed more shallowly than print media. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably going to change as, um, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, there's going to be a time when all the media we encounter is going to be digital and not on paper. So some of it is, um, I think you, you explain why that there are certain strategies that you can engage in, um, in one media that you can't engage in, in the other media. Um, and, uh, you know, if, you know, if you're in high school, online courses, and we haven't even talked about that, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, there, there, you know, and there's many reasons why that's the case. But um, the, it, you know, if, if a student's experience is in person, in person, in person, and mm -hmm. you have all the um, infrastructure to support that, and now you're in a, a digital environment and the experience is very different that that you know um it's it's you have to learn how to be a, a student in that context all over again and some of it involves um uh you know recognizing that some strategies that you use to engage in media don't work in this media unless they build yeah. in the ability to do that with the, with the tool. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I had this, I had a, a, a new textbook that I was using and I couldn't get a physical copy for, and I hated it. You know, I, I, I hated having to interact with the, with the digital for, of, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, um, interacting with the digital textbook is, um, uh, there's something about phys the physicality of it and being able to get to where you need to get to. Uh, yes. That, um, uh, you know, I find challenging as well. But, um, uh, you know, I think, um, anyway, I hope we didn't go down a little rabbit hole on that one. No, <laughs> no, because I, de I definitely agree with everything that you were saying. I think digital, there was always going to be a discussion as to whether digital or um, print is actually going to affect, I mean, not just with mm. academic writing, but also other different kind of books mm. as well. Now that the Kindle yeah. has sort of come into play with a lot of yep. readers. And I think there's always going to be that, um, that question as to whether it's easier to read on a Kindle. I will I'll always say a hardcover book is the way to go for me. I can never do the whole Kindle and reading online academic text or not, I think it's always going to be a whole other discussion, but that, in, that involves a whole other hour argument or discussion for that yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But so now we're going to go into the last section of the show, which is our open mic. Now that gets you to talk about anything that you are passionate about and like, it doesn't have to be related to the topic. Um, so on the last minute or so, I'd love to give you the floor and share what's on your mind for today's topic um well um i'm really passionate about uh visual media and cinema and comics and understanding um 
how how that works cognitively, understanding how the practices of of telling stories in film and um, uh, or on 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 the, in a comic page, how those practices have evolved uh, to um, um, uh, work uh, in a manner that we can. I mean, it's just fascinating. You you watch a movie and it's easy but you know it's it's you know it's as you if you i think you said you had some interest in in film or maybe i can't remember yes but you yes, know yes no i did uh, yeah yeah uh, you know, as you know on the from the production side of things that a film is made up of individual camera shots that are shot at very different times and places uh you might have two actors who feel like it seems like they're acting together but they're not and um uh, but you you edit the, the the content together and it's this easy experience i'm really passionate about um uh, understanding how that works it's a whole area of research and um uh that um we didn't talk about today but i could i could do an entire podcast on that um <laughs> so um uh, uh uh that that's a that's an area of research I, 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 that's a near and dear to my heart. Um, in addition uh, to uh, learning about how to, um, uh, learning what it takes to be successful in college and finding ways to help students be successful. No, I, I love media exactly for that reason, for the, all the behind the scenes things, all the camera work and camera angles I think is such a great, is a great way. I also will always have print media near and dear to my heart because I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge, huge reader. I always have a, at least one book everywhere I go. So I'm a huge reader no matter what. And I think print media has a whole other aspect of just sort of understanding, yeah. understanding ways to go. Mm-hmm. And that transition into adulthood and going into adulthood, I think it grew even further to what I used to have. And the books I used to be interested in back in high school has grown so much into what I'm interested in now. And I definitely will say that um, growing up and going into college has definitely sort of helped shape how I sort of see reading and how I sort of see what I like reading. Like I've gone from fiction almost to um self-help books or little little books that sort of deal with a person's experience I got into biographies for a little bit as well which is unlike me but like it sort of it grew so much into what I like to know about people and how I sort of see the world and it's definitely because of college that I think has grown so much yeah uh yeah I mean in college you get exposed to all kinds of different uh uh You know, you know, uh, life is a uh, life in the 21st century is a multimedia experience, and we encounter a variety of different ways of engaging in information. And you know, to me, it's just really fascinating uh, to reflect upon how um, our experiences are shaped by uh, the practices uh, of of the individuals that create media. Yeah. And um, it or or create different genre. I mean, 
Uh, you, you were talking about being really into biography. Well, there's a whole art form to creating biographies. Uh, and uh, it, when you're exposed to a biography, it becomes a fascinating, it's, it, whatever the biographies, that's, it's interesting, but it's also, how, how does somebody write a really compelling biography? You know, um, it's really kind of uh, a, a cool thing to experience when you encounter one that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Now, I want to thank you, Joe, for joining me on the show today. It was amazing getting to talk about this and seeing not only your professional experience, but also as an observer and sort of seeing both sides. And it was incredible to get to talk to you today. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, if there's a way that audiences would like to know see some more of your work or to see some of the things that you've written um is there a space that they are able to go into um uh uh, uh if you uh, uh uh if you google me uh joe magliano at um uh uh georgia state university um you'll find or uh my department is the learning science the department of learning sciences at uh, Georgia State University, you'll find uh, um, uh, uh, my, uh, you know, where they have me listed. And then you'll find I have a web page, but it's still under construction and we're um, populating uh, some uh, stuff. Um, I was, they, they found me, um, uh, your, uh, you guys found me because I ran a blog on um, the, um, uh, psychology today website called the wide wide world of psychology and mm. um it, it was I, I ran it it was part of my old department and every um every week or not every week every month we had a professor write about some interesting topic and you can find uh, uh some accessible um you know written for the general public content that i've written um in um in uh in in the articles um uh one caveat is when you go on there sometimes my pa face pops up and you think i wrote it um uh i only wrote the stuff that my name is listed but that's that's another way that you uh, that folks can gain access to some of the stuff i've written that would be um uh you know written for the general public oh perfect i'll definitely have uh, those yeah. I'll definitely have those in the, the description down below as well for everyone to sort uh, of access it very easily. Yeah. And uh, I, um, I also, you know, you, you feel free, you know, if you Google me, you, it'll give you my email address. Um, I'm a big believer in um, uh, responding to, I, I love this opportunity. I mean, it's so important for scholars to, uh, 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 talk about the research to the general public. I, I promise you, I will respond if you write me a question. Um, I, I don't know what I'll have to say, but I promise I will respond. Oh, well, that's perfect. That's so glad to hear. So glad to hear that that's the case. And we'll definitely put your email there as well if anyone wants to sort of send you a question over. So make it easy for everyone to do so. Um, and yeah, thank you so much again, Joe, for joining me on the show today. It's been, again, it's been amazing talking to you because to see your perspective and to see, I mean, it's not every day that you get to talk to a professor and sort of see their perspective and how they observe students and how they sort of understand 
house student functions and going into college. So yeah, thank you again for joining me. My pleasure. Okay, and guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the show as much as I did. Definitely go and check out some of Joe's work and send him a question. Like he says, he responds, so that's great to hear. And I'll see you all in the next episode. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it so that we can grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent. Thanks for tuning in.